chapter 1, beginning to read at verse 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer." since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe, because our testimony among you was believed. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Father God, we thank you for your word. It is our life. It is our desire to uh, grow in it, uh, to be healed and to be uh, sanctified and rescued from our own passions. It is our desire to please you in our thinking, our words, our actions, and all that we are and have and do. And so we pray that you would anoint the preaching of your word and that uh, each one of us would have this word quickened to our spirits. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Years ago, I read a, a story that appeared in Reader's Digest about Lieutenant uh, General Bruce Lee, C. Clark. I have no way of verifying this other than I read it in Reader's Digest. Um, um, it may have been made up, I don't know, but um, uh, you know how their humor section goes. Uh, but uh, this is about uh, uh, D- Deputy uh, uh, <coughs> Commander of the 8th Army in Korea. His name was uh, Lieutenant uh, General Bruce C. Clark. Uh, he was lecturing to some of the Korean officers, and at one point during the lecture, he told his favorite joke, and the interpreter just didn't seem to be using very many words when he was interpreting this, but everybody burst out into laughter. So he went on, but afterwards he said, "Then how did you get uh, such a short uh, joke out of the long joke that I told? And he said, well, actually, I didn't think any of them would catch your joke, so I just said, the general has just told the joke. Everyone will please laugh. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I think we Christians are a polite people, generally speaking, just like those Koreans were being polite there. Uh, we laugh at, uh, you know, bad jokes because we don't want to hurt people's feelings. Uh, we, uh, you know, generally speaking, try to get our kids to say thank you, uh, even if they don't feel like 
saying thank you. We act interested even when we're bored out of our skulls. And it's not necessarily a hypocritical thing. I think it's an issue of respect and honor. You're doing what's the right thing, uh, even though you don't feel like doing it. And there is something to be said about just obligation when it comes to Thanksgiving. In our passage, which is verse 3 that we read, 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 3, does deal with obligation. We have an obligation uh, to thanksgiving. But how do we get to the heart? How do we get to the place where we feel like giving thanks? So we can do so joyfully like the Apostle Paul did. Uh, obviously, we need to begin somewhere, and sometimes it's a step of faith by thanking God even and thanking others even when we don't feel like uh, being thankful. But we need to get to the place where we are overwhelmed with a sense of thankfulness uh, to the Lord. It's often been pointed out that thinking always precedes thanking. That's one of the reasons I began the service with all kinds of different ways in which we show how the Lord has daily loaded us with benefits. We need to think about the things that are going on around us in order to be able to be thankful. The more unworthy we see ourselves... And the more significant the gift and the more we love the one who gives it to us, the more we will be overwhelmed uh, with thanksgiving. If we're not aware of how much sin we've been saved from, then we're not going to be as thankful as the person who is overwhelmed with a sense of his unworthiness. And I think this was what Jesus was getting at when he said that this prostitute loved him more than the Pharisee ever could. He said, to whom little is forgiven... The same loves little. And so my goal in the sermon this morning is not just to encourage you to say thank you more frequently uh, leading up to Thanksgiving. Obviously, we need to do that as well. But to get to a place where from the heart you realize there is every reason to thank God every minute of our day. Now, the first thing in this passage I want you to notice is the word bound. We are bound to thank God. Now, the word bound, if you've got a Greek uh, interlinear with you, those of you who are learning Greek, is ophelo, which in the world of finance means a financial debt that we owe to somebody. In the world of social sphere, it means an obligation that we owe to somebody. And in the physical world, it means a necessity, uh, something that is a constraint. And any way that you interpret the world, it shows that thanksgiving is obligatory. It is a debt that we owe. Now, why would that be? Well, you think about it. From the time that we were born, we receive, receive, receive. We're constantly receiving. I mean, children, think about it. When you were really little, uh, all of the times that your parents had to change your diapers, you know, and comb your hair and cut your hair and uh, give you a bath and uh, take you to the zoo, you know, and do homeschooling. I mean, constantly God has put us into a position where we have to uh, receive from our parents. We're totally dependent upon our parents. It's one of the reasons, by the way, that Scripture says that we owe our parents when they get older, that we need to support them and honor them and uh, encourage them uh, in, in, in the Lord. Uh, but it isn't just the things that we receive from our parents. You could not enjoy the light from these light bulbs if it hadn't been for the investments that have been made over a long period of history. You could not enjoy the steel and the chairs and the fabric and the carpet and 
and the computers and books and so many different things if it was not for the fact that incrementally there has been building covenantally blessings uh, one on top of another. You don't get these kinds of things no matter how many thousand years uh, that you are in. In paganism, uh, you get this. This is something that flowed from a Western worldview, which is predominantly a Christian worldview. These are things that we cannot take for granted. So we need to be thankful for compounded covenantal growth, which, by the way, we may be losing uh, very, very quickly if the Lord uh, does not intervene. But think of this. Even if you were stripped of all of the things that we've talked about that we can be thankful for, in fact, you were stripped of your clothing, you were dropped naked onto a jungle island all by yourself, you still would have the education and all of the experiences of your past, and that would help you to survive and to benefit on that island. Well, some of us may survive a little bit better than others, but there is a lot that even intellectually has been passed on. It's, a, it's an inheritance that we have received uh, from the past. The more you think about it, uh, the, the more you realize we are daily loaded with benefits. I remember when I went to Prairie Bible Institute, I went to, uh, I think it was a retired missionary. It's kind of vague in my memory, but the thing I really remember was this guy very sincerely, and I saw this a number of times, just thankful throughout life, but with real feeling, he was thanking God for the clean water that he was about to drink. Uh, he could not take that for granted out in Africa where he had uh, retired from. And uh, that, really, that really impacted me. Uh, do you have salt and pepper for your food? And maybe other exotic spices. Well, thank the Lord. Uh, do you have brothers and sisters? Then be thankful. We really do have a debt, an obligation of thanks when it comes to all of the blessings we've received. Now, the second thing that Paul says in this passage is we are bound to thank God. No matter how much man may be involved in all of the blessings we receive and all of the ones we've, uh, most of the ones we've listed, you know, light bulbs and carpets and steel and books and things like that, man has been very much involved in that. And it's very appropriate to give thanks. But Paul realized no matter how much man is involved, ultimately God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. This has to be a God-centered thanksgiving. If all of our thanks is just we're appreciative of the fact that we've got a lot of stuff, but it's not going to the Lord, we're deflecting the, the kind of praise that needs to go to, the, to, to God. And the Greek word, othelo, if we take the meaning of debt seriously, it means that we owe something to someone. Here's how it's used in Romans 13. Give everyone what you owe him. There's othelo. If you owe, othelo, taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. So Paul is saying we owe a debt of thanks to God. And if we don't give thanks, we are robbing him just as surely as we would rob another person if we did not pay a financial debt that we owe to them. I noticed this past week that iLight Media is trying to raise funds for a documentary for Edward uh, Spencer. And uh, the storyline is about a steamboat, the Lady Elgin, that sank in 1860. And it's a true story. I don't know if they don't seem to be making very much progress in raising uh, funds for, for this, so we'll see if it ever um, uh, uh, gets out. But let me tell you about the story. Steamboat Lady Elgin foundered off the 
a coast uh, shore of Lake Michigan, just above Evanston, Illinois, and there was a crowd that was gathering, praying, and but feeling pretty helpless as they saw the boat going down. They didn't know what they could do. But there was a, a guy there by the name of Edward W. Spencer. He was a student at Garrett Biblical Institute, very good swimmer. Uh, he just ran out, took off his coat, ran out, dived into the ocean, swam out because he saw a woman that was clinging to the wreckage, looked at that time like she was maybe the only survivor. He picked her up, brought her back safely to the home, and 16 more times he went out into the frigid waters and brought people back until finally he just collapsed in a a delirium of exhaustion. And uh, it ruined his health. For some reason, I don't know why, uh, he lived a long time. He died at the age of 81 in California, but uh, his health was broken throughout his life. And interestingly, in the obituary in the, in the newspaper, it says not one of those 17 people that he rescued gave him any thanks. Not one of them. Um, they maybe assumed that he was a paid rescue worker or something like that, but even that you would think, that you would thank a person for rescuing uh, you, you uh, from drowning. Now take that one unthanked act and multiply it a million times over and you get a little bit of a, a, a sense of what God thinks of us when we are not thankful, what God feels uh, when we are not thankful. Uh, he's given His only Son to die for us and on top of that it says that He has freely given us all things and yet many times we take those things for granted. This is why Psalm 107 says over and over, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Now, that's not just telling us how the psalmist feels about it. It is telling us that. But God is the one who inspired that. So it's telling us what God feels about unthankfulness. Now, if you were off in a desert and you had been without water for a couple of days, you'd be praying to the Lord, Lord, please give me some water. And if He delivered water to you, you would be very, very thankful to the Lord. But are you thankful for the clean water that you have uh, every day of your life? Everything we have is a gift from God. We owe Him for our salvation from hell, forgiveness of sins, justification, our sanctification, the glorification that's coming that um, uh, 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 Elder Duff uh, talked about. We owe Him for food and clothing and rain and sunshine and entertainment and a, a hundred, a thousand other things that uh, we enjoy in America. And since every breath comes from Him, that means we owe Him our life. We owe Him the degree of health that we are experiencing. In fact, at the beginning of the service, I listed off a whole bunch of other ways in which we could thank the Lord, that our skin is self-healing and some of the other things that we, uh, that, that we talked about. We must not have a humanistic direction, even if humans are involved. It's got to be God-centered. We need to be uh, paying our debt to Him. Now, Paul goes on to say, we are bound to thank God always. So we not only have a debt, but it's a debt that needs to be paid to God, and it's a debt that can be paid in every circumstance that we may find ourselves in. Uh, In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Paul said, in everything give thanks He's saying no matter what circumstance you find yourself in, there is something that is thankworthy about that circumstance. There are blessings that God has put into your life uh, that you could at least say, I'm thankful that things are not worse. Things could always be uh, worse uh, than they presently are. In fact, I really appreciated the prayer that Scott offered up last, um, 
uh, Sunday where he quoted uh, Matthew Henry. And I want to tell you the, the full story of that. He was riding on his horse. He had been preaching up in London and coming back, and some thieves stopped him. They had weapons. He did not, uh, which is never a good thing. Go out in the road. No. <laughs> but anyway, they stopped him, and they just rifled through everything that he had. And uh, he didn't have a whole lot of valuable stuff. He, he, he mentioned, and I forgot to write it down. I looked in his, um, in his journal uh, how much was stolen from him. But that evening when he got home, he wrote in his diary, Let me be thankful first because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my purse, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not very much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. And what he was saying there is that apart from sovereign grace, I could very easily have been one of those robbers. He's just indicating that that he's overwhelmed with a sense of thankfulness to God and his sovereign mercy for having saved him and spared him from the life of those criminals who, was, uh, who were out there. Uh, it wasn't just a joke. I'm sure he chuckled when he, when he wrote that. But it was a, a, a perspective that things could be a lot worse. Now that's thanking God for the silver lining that is around every dark storm cloud. And I think it's good therapy. When you start getting bitter and upset... Just start thinking, okay, Lord, I know there's blessings in here I can thank you for. And start listing out what those would be. Now, Paul takes things one step further. This book indicates that he's thankful for the privilege of suffering for Christ. Now, think about that. Thankful for the privilege of suffering for Christ. I've known people, in fact, in early church history, there were people who God almost seemed to give a desire. Lord, let me lay down my life for you. I want to be a martyr for the cause, you know. Sometimes that can be a sinful desire. But he was thankful for the, for the privilege of suffering. Uh, in verse 6, he talks about the affliction. They received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. In chapter 2, he's able to rejoice when persecuted. But I find the way that he words it in Ephesians 5, verse 20, and I've mentioned this to you many times, giving thanks always for all things. Not just in all things, that's First Thessalonians, but for all things. That means we're not only supposed to be thankful to God for the silver lining around every dark storm cloud, we're supposed to thank God for that storm cloud itself. After Scott's quote of Matthew Henry last week, I did a little bit of reading in Matthew Henry's journal, and I was just blown away at how thankful this guy was. He had incredibly painful ailments. He had these kidney stones. They didn't have operations back then. He'd just be in agony sometimes for, for uh, you know, the whole day. And uh, he had diabetes and he had uh, some other things that really took him out. But all through that time, he was thankful to God even for the, the, the diseases and even for the painful afflictions that he was going through. An incredibly thankful person. The apostles... They were thankful for being counted worthy to suffer persecution. Why? Because all things work together for the good of those who love God, as, as was read earlier in the service. And so now, hope, hopefully, you can see that the door is much wider for all of the daily load of benefits that God pours out upon us. It's not just the pleasant things. No, even the unpleasant things are working for our good for our sanctification, for our conformity to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So have you thanked God for the miserable things that have come into your life? That's a question. In a moment, we're going to be seeing if you take that step of faith, and it does take an act of faith, it does bring healing and joy. Now, Paul gives a fourth dimension to this thanksgiving. Not only is it a thanks a kind of debt, but he says it is fitting that we pay this debt. We're not paying the debt because our arm is being twisted behind our back. Instead, when we look all around us with spiritual eyes, we're just... We just see there's every reason to be doing this. It is deserving of thanks. In fact, that's one of the translations of that. It's fitting. It's worthy. Now, of course, this implies the exact opposite, the utter unfittingness of thanklessness. Uh, how unfitting is it? Well, let me read you from Second Chronicles 32, verses 24 through 26. Now, King Hezekiah was a good king for the most part, but here was one time where he kind of blew it says, In those days Hezekiah was sick and near to death, and he prayed to the Lord, and he spoke to him and gave him a sign. But Hezekiah did not repay according to the, <clears throat> the favor shown him, for his heart was lifted up. Therefore wrath was looming over him <clears throat> and over Judah and Jerusalem. Then Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord did not come upon them in the days of Hezekiah. Now, Second Kings, when it gives the, records the same event, indicates Hezekiah just simply forgot. That was the only problem. He forgot about God's healing. Here God had done a remarkable healing in his life, and he went on with life without thanking God and giving him the glory. But Second Chronicles words it, Hezekiah did not repay according to the favor shown him, for his heart was lifted up. Therefore, wrath was looming over him and over Jerusalem. So lack of thankfulness is an evidence of pride. And as I've said a uh, hundred times or more, um, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The state of your heart is reflected by the state of your thanksgiving. I think it's an important principle to, to, to remember. How much indebtedness do you feel to God? Can you say with Paul, I am bound to give thanks always as it is fitting? I want you to turn forward two books to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And this chapter begins by saying, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Now, what makes these times so perilous? Is it nuclear weapons and murder in the streets? You know, you'd think Paul would say when he's defining perilous times, the reason it's perilous is all of the things we see in our newspaper headlines. You know, war in Iraq and you see all of the problems in Afghanistan and gang violence and the mafia and, uh, you know, United Nations treaties. And there's a sense in which, yeah, those are perilous as well, but instead he points to something that's in the heart. In fact, it's things that believers experience. He says, Know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for, here comes the reasons why times are perilous, men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. Notice the word unthankful in that list. God is describing a time when things could not be worse in terms of perilousness. And what's he describing? He's describing people who are proud, self-centered, 
and unthankful. A truly thankful heart is a heart that's no longer wrapped up in self. And you'll notice when you go back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 that the reason Paul was thankful is not just for his own life. He's thankful about the lives of the people in Thessalonica. And I think this fifth point is the neatest one because it shows an approach to life that I think frees us from bitterness and resentment and isolation and dissatisfaction and envy if we're willing to be thankful. Thanksgiving is an antidote to all of the things that plague human relations. Uh, it's the antidote to those perilous times that we talked about earlier. So back to Second Thessalonians 1 verse 3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. Paul was thankful for each one of the people in that congregation. He was thankful for what God's grace had already wrought within them. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 1-2 says, We give thanks to God always for you all making mention of you in our prayers. Notice he's thankful for everyone in that congregation. Here's the odd thing. Thessalonians had hurt Paul on occasion. Uh, not just before they were saved. You know, you can deal with that. But even after they, uh, that they were saved, they didn't pay any salary. They made him uh, work completely, even though he said that he uh, deserved to be paid uh, by them. He warned them uh, about immorality. 1 Thessalonians 2 says that he had to be patient with them. And uh, their immorality, he had already taught them, and they're ignoring his teaching. They're just going about, they don't want to submit to what Paul is saying. They're buying into false doctrine. In 2 Thessalonians, he had to warn them about listening to false teachers instead of listening to his clear teaching on this subject. He warns them not to be lazy, saying, For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. He's in effect saying, you guys are disobeying lawful directives, lawful uh, admonitions that I have been giving to you. And it could be very frustrating. It would have been very easy for Paul uh, to begin to bit, get bitter and resentful and negative toward them. He warned them about disorderly conduct. And yet six times, Paul says, every time I think about you guys, I thank God. Every single time. Let me read you the, the six occurrences. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Chapter 2, verse 13. For this reason we also thank God without ceasing. Uh, chapter 3, verse 9. For what thanks can we render to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God? Chapter 5, verse 18. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 2 Thessalonians 1, 3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, etc. 2 Corinthians 2.13 But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Do you get the repetition? Every time he thought about the Thessalonians, he said, thank you, Lord, for the Thessalonians. I think this was his recipe for getting over bitterness. I think it was his recipe for not getting bitter. When you have relatives and friends who have hurt your feelings and ignored your advice, and they've just generally been a pain in the neck, 
It's very easy for you to distance yourself from them, to become bitter and sour about them, just not want to talk about them, talk with them, I mean, or be around them. And every time you feel those feelings arising within your chest, what you need to do is say, okay, Lord, I thank you for these people and begin a season of thanksgiving. When you allow yourself to hold on to bitterness and resentment, isolation, dissatisfaction, envy, constant frustration, you know what's happened? They have won the conflict. The reason they have won is they're controlling you. They're keeping you from the joy of of the Holy Spirit by their fingers, constantly gnawing at your insides. Every time you think about that person or the incident, you know, with that person, what's happening is that Satan's got a little pin and he's popping your bubble of pleasure. And he loves to do this. He loves to take the wind out of your sails. He'll do anything he can to take joy out of your life. And so every time this person shows up or you think about them, ah, there disappears all of the joy uh, from your life. In fact, sometimes you might be lying in bed just sitting and stewing. Sometimes even thinking, man, I wish I'd said such and such. You never think of those real zingers at the time, unless you're brilliant like Scott maybe. But But you're lying in bed, oh yeah, I should have said such and such. That would have put them in their place. And you just find this bitterness creeping up in your spirit and it's getting the better of you. A thankless person is a person that is in bondage. He is in peril. Paul told Timothy that the unthankful are living in peril. Hezekiah was an example of the kind of peril that they are living in. And there is inward peril as well because we're going through distress uh, inwardly. Uh, So make it your goal to start thanking God for those people every time a bitter thought comes up. Basically, just, just say, Lord, I feel these feelings of bitterness coming into me again and I put them at the cross of Christ. I reject those. Lord, by faith, I thank You for that person. Thank you for their salvation. Or if they're not saved, say, Lord, I thank you that you can save that person. You're powerful enough to change them. And thank you, Lord, for trusting me enough uh, that you're putting them to be as iron sharpening iron, creating sparks. Thank you, Father, that you've included them as part of my sanctification because I do want to grow in this area. Thank you, Father, that I can overcome evil with good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Just go through a whole bunch of thank yous. And what you're going to find happening is you're going to find that the the bitterness and the negativity begins to just seep out of your life and it begins to be replaced by the supernatural joy of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want you to have. This is not hyperbole. Some people think, oh, it's just got to be hyperbole. It is not hyperbole. I can testify that over and over again, thanking God, has caused the dissipation of those negative feelings within me. Very, very powerful tool for victory. There's one last point that I want to highlight. Paul says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other. Now, those two words prove this point that there are compelling reasons to give thanksgiving uh, to the Lord. The first is the the Greek word for it is fitting. Uh, That shows reasons. In fact, some uh, one person translated that we have good reason for it. But what are the good reasons? He says because that's the second word. And then he lists the reasons that he is giving. Now, I'm actually not going to preach on this point because I want you guys to do the homework yourselves. 
uh, here's what I would like you to do. Paul says that there are compelling reasons to thank God in every circumstance all the time, no matter where you are at. And what I want you to do is write down 100 reasons why you ought to thank the Lord. 100 things to be thankful for. And if you've got bitterness in your heart against some individual, I, I want 50 of those 100 reasons to be thanksgivings over that person. Things you've been blessed by in the past. Uh, just anything good you can think of. Initially, your mind revolts against this and you sit there with mental block. I can't think of a single thing to thank God for over this. But if you persevere and ask God, open my eyes, Lord, help me not to see the glass half empty, you're going to start think, oh yeah, there is that and there's that. And before you know it, you're going to be able to come up, even with the most wretched jerks that are out there, you're going to be able to come up with 50 things to be thankful for. And... Uh, let me, in conclusion, just read something from Psalm 50, and I'll tell you the reason for this homework. Uh, I'm reading this from the NIV. I think it's a little bit uh, clearer translation, and it's in your outlines there. He who sacrifices thank offerings honors me, and he prepares the way so that I may show him the salvation of God. Now he's saying, first of all, that thanksgiving is a sacrifice. That means it's hard. Sometimes it's bitter hard. Sometimes it's so hard to thank God for that jerk that's just been a chain around your neck that it feels like you're yanking something, your insides out when you start thanking the Lord for that person. But uh, you need to make that sacrifice. You need to crucify your flesh. You need to put yourself on the altar and say, Lord, burn up <laughs> this resistance. I sacrifice this ink offering for you. And then he goes on to say that thanks prepares the way to victory over sin. Thanks prepares the way to salvation, to be saved from, delivered from, whatever it is that grips us and controls us. He who sacrifices thank offerings honors me. So he's paying a debt, he's honoring God, and he prepares the way so that I may show him the salvation of God. So thanks is an incredibly powerful tool in the Christian's arsenal. And so for my final homework, I'd like to ask you to think about one person or persons, maybe even a situation, that you are really bummed out about, something that really drives you crazy. And either write it down or make it as a mental note for yourself. And then the second thing I want you to do is I want you to think of some deliverance that you need. Maybe it's a financial deliverance or an emotional deliverance or some kind of other deliverance. And then I want you to claim this verse from Psalm 50 and say, Lord, you have said that those who thank you give, thank, uh, give sacrifices of thanks, the hard kind of thanks, prepare the way for salvation from their problems, from their issues. And Lord, I need deliverance from this issue. And so I lay claim to this passage by faith. And by faith, I'm going to start thanking you for this person. Just ask the Holy Spirit to deal with you on those two points. And then maybe if the Lord does give you a remarkable deliverance in this coming week, uh, maybe you could just share it with me. And just give God the glory by testifying to the deliverance that the Lord has ushered you into. Let's pray. Father God, may each one here experience the reality of Paul's joy and thankfulness.
in all circumstances and for all circumstances. We desire to keep pressing into the upward calling that you have given to us in Christ Jesus. Please forgive us for those times that we've gotten angry, bitter, been unthankful. Help us to trust you in this critical area of life. Please, Lord, cleanse us from all grumbling and complaining and bitterness and evil thinking and envy and frustration and dissatisfaction from our lives. And as we commit ourselves to a lifetime of thanksgiving, may we find the salvation of the Lord, the deliverance of the Lord. Show us your salvation from all the things that burden us down and cause us to enter into the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.